And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall 28-14 over the New Orleans Saints. Move their record to 5-8 on the year. And that just about wraps it up. I mean, your chances at a winning season are over. Your chances at the playoffs are over. Not that there were any huge chances before. But it feels like the ship has finally crashed on the 2018 Buccaneers season. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are here today for episode number 44. If you can hear us, we are on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. So if you're listening on iHeartRadio, the new outlet, thank you very, very much for catching us over there. If you're new around here, I am your host, the Bias Buck Fan Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan now, Evan, this loss, I mean, the Bucks have lost before. And to be honest, this is something that I really saw coming. The Saints are the best team in the NFL, arguably, right now. But it just still feels like an extra kick in the gut. And it's taken me a couple days to get over this one. I mean, you watched the game on Sunday. How are you feeling? Well, I mean... Not much to say about it, really. Uh, it's a complete collapse in a game that the Buccaneers should have won, you know, because, I mean, not only should have should they have won, they should have won handedly. Uh, they were dominating this whole entire game. And uh, one play makes a difference. It, it really does. And, you know, as you said, the way the Bucks just kind of handed it over and broke down at the end I think is the most disappointing part because we're in a situation where we could have been up 21 to 3 at halftime. Missed opportunities. Couple of missed kicks. Things happen. That's okay. We're still up 14 to 3 at halftime over the best team in the NFL. And then on the second play in that half, you get a turnover. Great field position. And you can't capitalize on it because your kicker can't make his kicks. Now, we're going to talk about well, all of that. Your offense can't do anything either, so. It, it, it was a rough day. And we're going to talk about all of that a little bit later on in the show, but let me open up things, and and let me just say that I think Dirk Cutter sealed his fate with Sunday's loss. You know, we had talked about this last week. I'm pretty sure we touched on it the episode before that, but let's take a look at what happened. Bucks were up 14-3 at halftime over the New Orleans Saints. That's a huge game. You come out after halftime, you can't get anything going on offense, and your tired-out defense, who had an elite first half, go out and give up 25 unanswered points just from being on the field for too long. Now, I, I mean, I, I got to say, man, I, I really think that's what it is. This defense went out there and did their job. They were dominant the first half. The offense had some highlights in the first half. That Winston connection to Mike Evans, the deep ball on the first drive of the game. I think we had more Beautiful. electric plays on that first drive 
than we did throughout the rest of the game. And let me not say that this offense was terrible in the first half, but something was lacking here. It, it almost seemed like just missed opportunities. But anyways, let's talk about Dirk Cutter before we jump into what the offense was able and not able to do this week. So Dirk Cutter, I, I mean, I think he's gone, man. I, I think anything 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and nine, I just don't know if that's going to be acceptable at this point with the seasons that he's already had. We've seen what this team likes to do with head coaches who can't put a product on the field that's winning every year. So what can you do? I don't think there's anything you do, and I think he's out of here at the end of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, right now, I will say it's not looking good for him. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that his job is completely safe. However, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think that's the nail in the coffin because if this team goes 7-9, and nine, or eight and eight, I think he comes back because I mean, and and the Pewterport guys have talked about this. Pewterport sponsor the page and everything. Go check them guys out. Go listen to the podcast they got. Um, those guys have talked about this. They said, you know, if you go seven and nine, that means that you've beaten a either a pretty good Cowboys team or a pretty good Ravens team, and you've also likely won the last game of the year. Winning the last game of the year is a big step because with the last game of the season, you never want to go out on a low note. You know, that that's not – you don't want to get shellacked the last game of the year and then, oh, well, there goes that season. So like last year. Didn't it feel pretty good when the Bucks had won then? It oh, did. No doubt. That was probably you were, the best game of the year. You were feeling pretty good about it. You said, you know what, you know, we know Cutter's coming back. They just won this game. Chris Godwin finally got his big moment. Jameis Winston mm. finally took him on a drive. This time last you, you year, were feeling, I'll say that you I was... were feeling a little optimistic, weren't you? Yes, I was. Okay, see, that's what winning the last game of the season does. Let's say the Bucks go ahead and lose to Baltimore, which I think is probably possible. I don't know if they have much of a shot in this game. Um, I mean, we said the same thing about the Saints, though. Let's. Oh, I know, but this game's on the road, and I yeah. Baltimore's defense is better than the Saints, and. Lamar Jackson, running quarterback, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, the let's say they go out lose the Ravens. Okay, then you're like, oh, well, Cutter's done. But let's say they beat the Cowboys and then beat the Falcons. You're feeling, I mean, okay, your feelings about Dirk Cutter may not be like, oh, he can stay, right? He can do no wrong. But you're going to be feeling a lot better about this team. If they can win two straight to end the year, you know, you're not going to find many Bucks fans saying, oh, my God, they won two straight, this and that. You beat a good Cowboys team. Um, and then you beat your division rival at home. You know, it, it'd be a big step. Um, it would be a big I, step. But let me just let me ask this. So if Dirk Cutter does stay around, hypothetically, and I, I don't know, like many points you and I see don't exactly see eye to eye on this point in particular, but let me ask you if Dirk Cutter stays, what is going to change? I mean, I feel like if Dirk Cutter stays, you've got a higher chance for a guy like Mark Duffner to be promoted to defensive mm -hmm. coordinator, which is something that I was going to talk about a little bit later in the show, but that's not something that I would be opposed to. If this defense yeah. closes out the year strong, the way that they've been playing these past three weeks, then I'm totally fine with that. You, and, keep, and you, know, you keep a familiar staff, but other than that, I mean, there's other problems that have to be addressed. Do you think Dirk Cutter can take this team and turn it around to where we need them to be next year? 
because I personally feel like another person is going to have to do this job. Well, I mean, you know, the big thing of the defense is this is a big test for them because, yes, they've been playing good, but they've all been at home. You know, those three games have been at home. The week before that, they allowed 38 to the – well, okay. No, they didn't allow 38, but it was a pick six. But um, they allowed over 30 points to the Giants, right? Uh, this defense is not good on the road. So it, it's, a, it's a big step. And if Duffner can, can figure out the formula to have this defense play decent on the road and Cutter stays, Duffner has a real good shot at, at the defensive coordinator. Um, you talked about changes. I do. I would expect changes, yes. Um, George Warhoff, the offensive line coach, would likely be gone. Um, I don't really think much else besides, I mean, I think they may interview uh, other candidates for the defensive coordinator position. They're not just going to hand the job to Dufter, but I think it will get strong consideration. But, I mean, honestly, I do I think Cutter stays. I, I personally don't. But I right now, I can't rule as a, as, as a media outlet or as a as a fan or, or anything you what you want to call me i can't rule dirt cutter returning i can't rule that out because right now that's very possible okay and dirt if dirt cutter stays another thing i wanted to ask is do you have todd munkin calling plays again next year yeah i mean i think you'd be stupid not to and, um, i mean it's what we've seen work but you know dirt cutter he was a desperate man before he yeah, took well, it away to try and make something happen. I mean, well, I I think the Glazers, I think they would they would basically come to Dirk Cutter and say, "Look, we'll keep you around, but we need these things done, something like that, you know." But you got to um, operate this way. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe yeah, we need Warhop gone, or you know, we need you to to keep, you know, Monk and Con the plays, or we need you to we don't like Duffner, get a different defensive coordinator, something like that. Yeah. Um, there would definitely be requirements. It wouldn't just be, hey, Dirk, you're, you're, you got the job. Keep whoever you want. You know, no, and, um, it wouldn't of, be like that. And one of the things that would worry me most is, you know, with bringing Dirk Cutter back, not only, at least for me, I feel like you show that it's almost, I don't want to say acceptable, but if you thought he was on the hot seat this past season, even just four or five weeks ago, when things started to get their worse... I mean, can you imagine the type of pressure that's going to be on him next year? Well, I mean, the, well, just... next next year the pressure's on everybody. Next year, I mean, next year it's Jason Light. It's if it's Jason. If this team doesn't make, if they keep their cutter, and this team does not make the playoffs, Jason Light's gone. Um, Jameis Winston's gone. Their cutter's gone. Everybody's gone. That yeah. that that's a fact. Um, but I expect. I expect James Winston, I've said this, I expect James Winston to be back with this team next year as a starting quarterback. I said that, what, three, four weeks? No, maybe more than three, four weeks ago. I think I said it after the after the Redskins game, I think. I said, your quarterback starting 2019 will be James Winston. Um, and I'm going to stand by that. James Winston will be the starting quarterback for this team week one, 2019. Okay. Uh, Jason, Jason Light, I believe, will be the general manager. And I believe that Dirt Cutter likely won't be the head coach. Like I said, can't rule that out, though. Um, but a lot hinges on that. So, yes, the pressure would be very much on. Well, but just like you were telling me before the show, you and a lot of other people don't think this team is too far off. No, I, I really don't. I think a lot of people are forgetting that is the pieces are there. The pieces, uh, I feel like the pieces have been there for years now, but if I had to say it 
as confident as I can. I think this year I mean it the most. The pieces are there to put together and make this team take that next step that we're expecting them to. I mean, I was really going to try and open up on that towards the end of the show. So let's save that because that's a whole nother discussion, and I wanted to close out because that one's going to get good. Well, I mean, this team this team's the talent, most talented team it's been on paper, at least in the past probably close to 10 years. Without a doubt. And I mean, when you look up and down, the offensive talent, I mean, yes, the defense is not ranked high, but you, Jason Barrett, Paul, Gerald McCoy, Levante, David, Quan Alexander, of course, you know, Alexander's hurt. But just, you know, looking on paper, this team should be better. And, you know, a lot of that's coaching. Um, right now, I, I would fire Dirk Cutter no matter what. But I'm just telling you guys, and a lot of people think that it's, it's my opinion that I think Cutter should stay. I don't. But I'm just saying that, I can't say that Dirk Cutter is definitely gone just because I think that the Glazers will give him another year if he goes 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight eight. Yikes. Well, let me just say this to close out this first segment here. I believe the best thing for this team is to take a deep breath, move some things around, head coach, cough, cough, start from there, you evaluate your talent, and I'm going to talk about this later, but I think – the best form of action for the Bucks to take this offseason is to vacate that head coaching spot and start looking for worthy candidates to bring this team to the next level that we know they can be on. You and I don't see eye to eye on that, and that's A-OK. We embrace debate here on the Cannon Fire Podcast. But let's talk about this game on Sunday, this heartbreaker. So, first and foremost, I, I feel like for the first time in a long time, this offense is the main reason we were left behind in the second half of this football game. Well, Do not say I mean, the whole football game. They went out there, they did their job first half. They were able to make things happen. They put points on the board, two touchdowns or two touchdowns, and they were leading at the halftime. They, or they were leading at halftime. Let me not take that away mm, from them. By 10-plus points. Exactly. At home. And this is a team at home, and this is a team who was hyped up out of anyone else we've played this year. I mean, week one, it was hyped. But we didn't know that the Saints were going to win 10 in a row week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, not I only. Mean, week one, I was looking at that. I said, oh, my God, they're going to go like 6-10 and 10 because Drew Brees is going to put up points. But this defense is going to be horrible. Exactly. But let's break down what this offense did not do well. And I've got a couple of them here. So the offensive line play was bad. Oh. I mean, Donovan Smith isn't playing like a guy who wants to get paid. We know Caleb Beninock is bad. But something that I've tried not to talk about, and I guess I have to talk about it now, is Ryan Jensen is looking pretty sloppy. He's looking pretty bad. I think what we need to see out of him these next three games are the Ryan Jensen who was brought here from Baltimore. We need Baltimore Ryan Jensen. We need the Ryan Jensen that we watched on tape. I mean, he's not giving us what we paid for just yet. I haven't seen anything out of him to change the tone of that offensive line. They're still bad, and if anything, he's bringing us more flags than anyone else. Uh, okay, but you, did you watch that personal foul again? Because that was that was mm. that wasn't a no. That was not a personal foul. I, the whistle. You're talking about was, you're talking about like the block in the back, essentially. Yes, that was yeah. dumb. That, when I, that when was, I not... was watching that at the bar, I was like, mm, no. No, regardless. see, that that's not. No. Regardless, you can't 
If you take that call oh, away, you can't disagree with me and say that Ryan Jensen hasn't been the most flagged offensive lineman these past four or five games. I mean, well, no, when it gets to the point where your quarterback <laughs> is getting in your face about it, saying, hey, listen, yeah. you got to settle down, I don't think anything of those choice or I, I don't think anything of that confrontation between Jameis and Ryan Jensen. I agreed with you when you had sent me the text. I think it's just two guys that want to win. There's no beef there. Nobody hates anybody. There isn't a problem there. No, I mean, but, you had seen, like, right after, okay, so that was one drive, and then, like, two drives later, that was the touchdown right before the halftime, right? It was right it before was, halftime. And, and Jameis had gone down. Ryan Jameis, Jameis had gone down. where he yeah. was. He was the first one to get to Jameis on the ground. He, he sprinted and, and brought him right back up and walked off with the field with him. So, um, yeah, you know, Ryan Jensen has actually – you know, I, I hate to say this because I love Ali Marpet, and Ali Marpet is having an All Pro season. Like he, like it's nobody realizes it. It's it's hard to tell because you don't hear his name. That's how you know an offensive lineman's good. When you don't hear about him, that's when you know he's good. Because you only hear about offensive linemen when they either commit penalties or blow blocks, right? Yep. So when we talk about yeah. Caleb Benenock and Donovan Smith damn near every I week remember, on this show. I think all year, I think I've heard two penalties called on Ali Marpet. Two. You know, Donovan Smith had three in the game yesterday alone. Oh, you know? man. So, Ali Marpet's been playing fantastic. But, hustle-wise, and who wants to win more? If you watch tape, that's Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen hustles after every, I mean, everything, right? In the Giants game, when Jameis fumbled the ball. Ryan Jensen was all the way oh, yeah. back where the ball was snapped, and he sprinted oh, yeah. down there and almost got that ball, but Mike Evans ripped it away from him. But, yeah, that's what you love to see, right? And that's the Ryan Jensen they paid for. And I agree that Ryan Jensen has not um, you know, exceeds, um, met expectations, but he, I wouldn't call him horrible i mean i know you're not i know you're not calling him horrible but oh no don't get me wrong i love the guy he's my he, favorite offensive lineman we have right now right well right now he's he's giving them a, a guy who you know every now and then i don't mind a personal foul penalty like you know the one against atlanta when the one safety hit Jameis pretty late yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't have somebody hit your quarterback like that so i'm you know you're fine with that um, that's something that this offensive line didn't have. Guys like Benenock just stand around and watch your, watch Winston get killed. Um, but but this start- offensive line is bad. This offensive line is bad, and it starts with the coach, George Warhop. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to bring up, too, you had touched on as well, uh, but penalties killed us. I mean, there was one series we gave up, I, I got to say, 40-plus yards with four straight calls and I don't even think we had snapped the ball. Like, do you know what series I'm talking about? We literally gave up four straight penalties. I don't remember when exactly it was. I don't remember if it was first half or second half. But I know up until that point, I was like, wow, we've been doing a pretty okay job with not getting flags thrown our way. Yeah, it was the, I think it was the first half. Yeah, I want to say it was the first half. Um, because now that I think about it, when you said, oh, we've been pretty good with flags, yeah, I think it was the first half. Because, uh, I mean, dude, they just came out of nowhere. But then, they, they but came... then in the second half, it was every play. Yeah. It was I either mean, that or the offensive line just getting blown up. And 
it killed us. It, it really did kill us. You know, that that just it, it it goes back to the common theme of of um of shooting yourself in the foot of missed opportunities, and that's exactly what this team showed us because they showed us everything they needed to win, and then they showed us everything they needed to lose. And mm-hmm. pure and simple, it is missed opportunities. But let's talk about our quarterback. So Jameis Winston, I think he put up right around 260 yards, two touchdowns, interception right at the end of the game. Jameis played well, but I got to say he wasn't as sharp as he normally is, and I think you know what I mean. I I mean, all day long he's running for his life after the pocket collapses, but when he's doing that, when he's running around, when he's forced outside of the pocket, you know what happens? He can't connect with receivers. I mean, after so long, drives on offense just came and went like that. I'd look up. It's first down. I'd look down, take a sip of my water, check my phone, look at the group chat, look back up. It's third and ten. Incomplete pass. Bucks have to punt it away again. And that was a common theme in the second half. The Bucks could not get anything going on offense. Also, I wasn't impressed with the play calling in the second half. Way too conservative. Yeah, way too conservative. Uh, I mean, I mean, how about it, the one of the first plays of the game? That shot, like you were talking about, the Mike Evans. That's beautiful. Do more of set, that, and it sets the tone. Yeah. Let me, let me say this as well. You know, Bucks were up fourteen to three at halftime, but there came a point in this game where the momentum just changed, like the morale just changed, and the turning point in this game. Had to be the Taysom Hill block punt, which oh, and you could feel it too. I mean, me you off, could feel it, see it. I mean, you, you could just everything. Um, and, and, and let me just say really quick that I hate Taysom Hill. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if there is a more annoying athlete in the NFL, and it's not even because he's not a talented athlete. He's not an asshole. He's not anyone that I have a reason to hate. But he's impossible to game plan. He's on their mm-hmm. depth chart as a quarterback. He's a gadget player. He is out here catching touchdown passes and blocking punts. Uh, I mean, he scored. He scored well, no, he was on the field for the Saints' first touchdown week one. He took the snap and handed it off to Kamara. So that's what I'm I mean, saying. It's, it's nice to have a weapon like that, but be nice. You when, know, the the Bucks can have a weapon like that, but wouldn't know how to use him. So. Whenever he's on the field, shit's gonna go down. And <laughs> you know, something bad's gonna happen for the opposing defense after that block punt. There was a whole different tone to that sideline. And I mean gave the Saints life. The Buccaneers were shut down. The Bucks were shut down on the football field and the Buccaneers were shut down mentally. Mhm. Let's be honest. I can't remember the last time we were shut down on offense like that. I mean, well, Redskins it's really the game, first time but, since Chicago. Yeah, Redskins game, but the problem was they had just turned the ball over so much in Redskins game. Like that wasn't shut down. Right, they, but they ran were up and down the field. The ball. I mean, they... yeah. Um, but one more thing I want to say before we move on from Winston is uh, a fan had asked me, yeah. um, "Do you, you know?" He was like, uh, "I think Jameis is doing fine. Uh, I like that he's protecting the football more." He said, "But do you think he's being a little bit overprotected because sometimes he notices that Jameis possibly holds on to the ball a bit too long?" And I told him, "I said, you know, that's a good question. But I'm going to elaborate more on the show." Um, yes and no. Um, yes, because obviously the the proof's right there, right? 
Um, it, it shows that he may be holding on to the ball too long. It may just be, you know, maybe there are guys open. Obviously, I you can't well, see what he sees, but there was um, a. Um, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but there was a play either this week or last week. I want to say it was this week where Jameis held on to the ball and took a sack, but five seconds earlier he had a wide open, and I'm talking wide open, Chris Godwin, ten yards yeah. down the field. Yeah, I think that was this week because I think Rondé had pointed that out. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And speaking um, of Rondé, dude, he is more anti-Buck than he's ever been. But well, I, he, he does that on purpose because he still actually like is involved with the organization. So as a commentator, I, I, I promise we're going to – for that fan to ask me that question, I'm going to get back <laughs> to it right here. I'm but doing a terrible as, job at distracting you here. <laughs> as a commentator – He's got he, a job to do. He, he doesn't try to show bias, and he, tr- and he does that by clearly showing against the Bucks. He wants the Bucks to win. Um, I mean, and, and you can see sometimes he lets that bias get get out. Um, because you know, like before the year, he was doing the promotional videos for him and stuff. Yeah. Freaking la- last, yeah. freaking last week, he was doing the the Bucks film room thing. He was the one doing it. Normally, they have Anthony Beck do it. He was the one doing it last week. Yeah. Um. So I mean, he still does some stuff, but uh, Rondé's good. Rondé's good. He'll he'll be the next guy in the Ring of Honor. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe next year. Um, I can't really think of a guy who could be in next year. Maybe Simeon. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyways, yeah. Anyways, back to the original question. Um, you're like a master, master distractor. That's, that's what I'm going to call you from now on. That's what I do. (laughs) Um, so James being too conservative. Yeah. You know, the offensive line's not good, like I said. So Jameis could literally snap the ball, have maybe two seconds, and that'd be fine if this was just running slants and curls and stuff like that. The problem is not only is Jameis – this offensive line, is it's a combination of things. Jameis Winston is trying to be more protective of the ball. This offensive line isn't good. And the biggest thing, this offensive scheme. The offense is good. It is a vertical offense. It takes time. It takes time to plays take way too long to develop. That's been Cutter's thing. This isn't Todd Munkin's offense. This is Dirk Cutter's offense. It's just Being Todd run Munkin. By Todd getting, Munkin. Yes, just getting to call the plays. These aren't Todd Munkin's. He's not drawing up plays. So this is still Dirk Cutter's offense. And with a vertical offense, you're going to have to have your O-line block longer. And if your line can't block longer, you need to run for your life, and you're trying to extend the play as much as you possibly can, and you're going to take some sacks. Um, I would rather him take the sack than throw an interception, which is what he's been doing the past three weeks, and hopefully he continues to do that. But, yeah, I, you know, it's a combination of things. Yes, he's trying to be protective. The offensive line isn't good, but this offensive scheme does not help that at all. And I think another thing we need to think about, too, when it comes to Jameis Winston and his style of play recently I mean this is a guy playing for money this is a guy playing well let me say big money but a little bit more money as well I mean this is a guy playing to prove that he needs to stick around and be a part of this football organization because it's more than just being paid at this point it's about being traded off or you know put up on the free agency uh being a free agent basically you know, there's, oh, yeah. a, there's a lot on the line here for Jameis Winston, more than just a paycheck. And I think he's trying to play the way that he knows he can. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is a fairly new process for him. I'd say he's only been playing with this new mindset for four or five weeks. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the was... benching, the benching really changed him because that's exactly. the first time. That's the first time, probably since middle school, that somebody has told him, "You're not playing because you don't give us the best chance to win." This person's playing. Exactly. Like, and that was, I mean, he was a number one recruit coming out of high school. You know, he was redshirted his first year at FSU. His first freaking debut or whatever in FSU, he threw like four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he won the national championship his first year. He's he's not used to that. He's a winner. He's used to always being the guy, right? He, so yes. when what happens when you say, yeah, you're not the guy no more? You're like, you sort of look in the mirror almost, right? So I... Exactly, and I think that's exactly what happened. So just to further elaborate on what we've been seeing out of his playing style, I think we're seeing a more conservative Jameis Winston because ultimately we're going to get out of this awkward phase and we are going to see the best Jameis mm-hmm. Winston we have ever seen, whether it's well, on Tampa Bay Buccaneers or another team. Yeah, because right now he's making like 8 or so, like $8 million, which will go to 20 next year if, he, if they keep him and his options picked up. Um, and then, I mean, after that, he's still playing for money because if he balls out in 2019, guess what? He's getting like $30 million a year. At least he's not Kirk Cousins making $82 million guaranteed and he can't win a primetime game to save his life. But anyway. Yikes. Yikes. Too soon, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about this defense. So we've talked about a lot of what the Bucks were not able to do on Sunday we talked a little bit about what the Bucks were able to do well, but I just wanted to further elaborate. This defense, they played a hell of a first half, and we got to appreciate what they were able to do. So they went out there and did their job. They looked the best they have all season in the first half of Sunday's game. And, I mean, at this point, we're talking elite-level football. They didn't completely shut Drew Brees down, but they made it a lot harder for him to go out there and do his job. I mean, they won the turnover battle. They had a strip mm-hmm. sack courtesy of yeah. our boy Carl Nassib. Carl JPP Nassib. able to scoop it up. Mm-hmm. Both of got, our, our favorites, two of our favorites right here. And then you've got an interception by Adarius Taylor, which was the first of his career. And let me tell you, the interception was more exciting for me than the strip sack because yeah. Drew Brees doesn't throw interceptions. So, yeah, and that was at a that was at a I feel like the Saints were going to go down and score too. That was at exactly. a, a good they point. They were I mean at that point they had just woken up. Drew Brees had connected on a few checkdowns the drive before that drive. He was just warming up, going out there doing his thing to get an interception at that time in the game and basically shut down their momentum. That was a good and, feeling. And and you scored a touchdown right before the half. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was that was pretty good. It was good to see it's good to see uh Good to see a Darius get that, um, you know. But yeah, this this defense played a heck of a game, and yeah, they had the. I mean, how about they shut him down on the ground, especially in the first half? Oh yeah, I Alvin didn't, I didn't wasn't expect going that at all. Anywhere, um, Mark Ingram couldn't do anything. Alvin Kamara, nothing that they tried worked. Um, and how about this? Right here's the bad part. What if? Okay, if I would have told you on Friday night, I was like, okay, so. It's going to come down. The Saints are going to have more turnovers than the Buccaneers. They're going to turn the ball over. The Buccaneers are going to win the turnover battle. Okay. They're going to win the battle on third down. Yeah. Okay. They're going to win the turnover battle. They're going to win the battle on third down. They're, the Bucks are going to have an 11-point lead at halftime. 
what do you think, what would you predict to happen? Because I would predict not not a, oh, it's a 30-point win, but I would say, okay, so I'm 11, so I would probably think like 14 to 3 or so. I'd be like, okay, that final score is going to be like... In true Bucks fashion, like, like, 28 like, well, it was, I was thinking it was going to be like like thirty one, thirty one twenty one or something, or like thirty one twenty something like that. Um, but instead, it's twenty five, twenty eight to fourteen because it kicked that field goal. You know, watching that game, if you would have told me that, then I, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, because watching that game for me, the Saints are a team that. You know, the Bucks are never out of it. The Saints are never out of a game. Not with not I as mean, long as they got number nine. It's fourteen to three. That's not even two touchdowns and they're back in the game. They score once and it's a four point football game. At halftime, I was watching the game at Winghouse in Orlando. We were actually driving back from the weekend. I was with my girlfriend. I leaned over and I was like, the second half of this game is gonna be a lot more competitive. It's not going to be all Bucks. It's just not. Because mm-hmm. they are in a team that's going to go away easily. And I was expecting New Orleans to come out, put some points on the board. Bucks were going to go back and forth, back and forth. I was honestly expecting like 28-21 final score. Well, one I mean, possession, honestly, if back you, and forth. I mean, if you even looked in that week one game, the Bucks were up at one point. They were up, I believe, oh, God, 40. 25? They were up 48-24, to 24, I think, yeah. They were up forty-eight to twenty-four, and the win in forty-eight forty. So, like I knew, and Cutter even said that. You know, Cutter had said, you know, fourteen points ain't going to be enough to beat the Saints. Exactly, and it and everybody knew that. But I just, yeah, you wouldn't have never expected that the Bucks would have got, you know, fourteen points at halftime, and that's all they're going to score. I would have never expected that. I I knew it was going to be a competitive second half, but I did not expect us to go out there and get shut down 100%. That just, it it killed me. And I think it further proves why that loss hurt as bad as it did. (laughs) One more thing I want to say about the offense, and then we can move on to whatever you want. No worries. Um, Chris Godwin, not good. Not a a good day. He's been struggling lately. Not a a good day. day. And we've seen him bounce back, but I feel like we've seen... Maybe because he's had to step up into a bigger role this year, but I feel like we've seen some bad days from him. Yeah, well, I mean, he not fumbles good, the football, and, <laughs> and actually, he. Uh, that's, to me, this is his first bad game. Uh, this is the worst game of his career. Um, but well, did we targeted, just say that like a month or two ago? I don't really remember. I don't know. I think he had a streak of like a hundred game, hundred yard games going. So I don't he know when a, we would have said that. He had a bad that. game, another game this year. I don't remember which one it um, was. But I know he had a couple drops. But okay, but this one was worse. I mean, the Bucks targeted Chris Godwin ten times. He caught one pass. Well, it seemed like here's another thing too, though, is it seemed like a lot of the times we tried to connect was on the same route. I mean, he pretty much ran a streak, and it just felt like Jameis overthrew him two or three times. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I don't mind those. That's like the stretch out the defense. Yeah, but there was some that like I'm like Chris Godwin catches this. He catches those, and there were some that like Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys dropped one early in the in the first quarter. It was like the second or third Bucks drive, and I was like, "Man, like I mean, it was a high ball. It was a high throw. It would have been a really good catch." But I'm like, Adam Humphreys makes those catches, and I mean, yeah. he had made that one before 
where well, he got rocked. He got blasted. The helmet knocked off, and he held onto the ball. That was awesome. <laughs> and he he got up and said, "Let's go." That was, yeah, that was but, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, Peyton Barber first play of the game. Jameis Winston looks for a check down. Peyton Barber goes right through his hands. And I know, I know that the conditions were not favorable, and that is. You know, I know I figured this would come up. I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, that's I'm going to say that's why Santos missed them kicks, um, mm. especially the the 40 yarder, just because especially when, when kicking the ground. Yes, they put the tarp on it, but that field was still a little muddy, a little wet. You know, the the conditions are, are not favorable. One one little as a kicker. you I mean, you know, one little slip up. And yeah, that's but, it. But, listen. you know. But listen, I mean, oh, you, know, you got to make them. I'm not yeah. making excuses for it, but I'm just saying that. And for one, by the way, both of those kicks should have never have been missed. You know why? Because they should have never happened. Donovan yeah, Smith had a holding call and missed the guy that ended up being a sack, which pushed it back to a 46 yard field goal. And Jameis Winston's arm was hit on third down when he had Chris Godwin wide open. It was about to complete the first down pass. But DeMar Dotson let the dude run right by him and, and hit Jameis Winston's arm. So if that never happens, maybe he doesn't miss those field goals. And, and let me say this. You know, a common theme that I've heard for this game was missed opportunities. We've talked about that before. But, That's a common you know, theme for the season. No, oh, man. Not, I mean, not only do you have the penalties, which, of course, we talked about a little bit earlier, but you have Cairo Santos. He missed both of his field goal attempts, as you said. First attempt was from 46, I believe. It was rainy, mm-hmm. wet, windy. Nasty weather. He missed that one. I wasn't upset. The second one he missed, 40 yards out. I was a little concerned after that. Gotta make I it. Gotta, understand I understand mean... that field conditions are not the greatest, especially for an NFL kicker. But keep in mind, you're an NFL kicker. I do not care. You gotta make those. You gotta yeah, make I mean, those. At that point, that was... That was after the turnover, so it would have been seventeen to three. And let me just say this too: the first, the first one that he missed, the forty-six. I mean, it was pretty clear that the wind had carried that ball. Yeah, because yeah. if that I, was I a mean, shorter, if that was a shorter distance, that that's a good kick, dude. And we're talking like a yard shorter. Yeah, because it was even from the first initial, you know, his foot hitting the ball that was right down the middle. So I will say that that one was carried. But either way, you got to make those as an NFL kicker. You got to make those. But we've pretty much covered everything in the game that we needed to worry about. We've pretty much covered Dirk Cutter and his future, or at least what I think his future is. But here's something that I want to wrap up the show with here. And it's kind of the big, long, drawn-out rant. And you can you can dissect it. You can take whatever part you want of it, and we can talk on that. But basically, here's just what I think needs to happen for this team at this point. You've got three games left to play. you got to go out there and set the tone for a lot of guys like Adam Humphreys, for a lot of guys like the free agents who aren't going to be here next year. Not only are you putting up tape for this team to show what we can improve on or to show what we do well at the end of the season – but you're putting up tape for 32 different NFL teams. I mean, that's just how it is, pure and simple. guy like Adam Humphreys, he's going to want to look his best because, yeah, the Bucks have an opportunity to pay him, but worst-case scenario, he doesn't stick around. I really hope he does. 
He's been a hell of an asset on that offense. But these guys got to look good. They got to put tape on. But I feel like this team, you hang on to Jameis. You fire Dirk Cutter. And at this point, if the defense finishes strong, I'm fine with Duffner for D.C. next year. You bring in some veteran experience for that young secondary to learn from because Brent Grimes is not it anymore. Or maybe a younger guy, not so much of a veteran that's over the hill, but someone to just build that unit around because you've got so much young talent in that backfield that these are guys who can do great things. VH3's coming back. Carlton Davis, I feel like he can be a starter. MJ Stewart is, eh. I mean, he's talented. Justin Evans. Jordan Whitehead. I feel like he's been talented enough to stick around. You find some offensive line talent in the draft, and I've got a good feeling that if Light stays around, I mean, we're just going to see more of what we've seen out of his guys. And and let me not rope all of them together. Let me say that guys like Vita Vea and Ronald Jones, I mean, they haven't panned out, but they haven't panned out due to inexperience. They are not busts. And I'm sure you agree with me there. Vita Vea and Ronald Jones are not busts yet. Have they been missing in action? Hell yes. But they are not the problem. Which leads me to say, I don't think you need to focus on drafting a running back in the first three or four rounds of the draft. I just don't think it's necessary. Ronald Jones has got to get his feet wet. But back to Jason Light and the guys that he's brought in, JPP, Carl Nassib. I mean, they have shined on a defense, and especially these past few weeks, a defense that's down a couple of stars. Quan Alexander's gone. Most of your starting secondary is gone. They're going out there and they did their jobs. They make Jason Light look good. So Light mm-hmm. sticks around. I'm confident he fills some more holes in free agency and most of these issues are fixed. And that leads me to say that this team is a lot closer to that next level than I think people want to realize. I don't think it's time for a clean sweep yet. I don't think you fire everybody yet. I just think that this offseason, you've got some parts to move around, and you've got some work to do. But I think it's possible, and I think we see this team on the track that they were supposed to be on this year, next year. Because, dude, we are close. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this team is is really close. Uh, they had talent. Just I know like I just, we were I, saying earlier. I know I just threw uh, a lot at you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's, that's no problem. Like I said, I do think Light ends up staying. Um, and like you said, you know, his guys, which are NASA, JPP, uh, Justin Evans, Jameis Winston, Carlton Davis, uh, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Mike Evans, you know, his guys, uh, Adam Humphreys, those guys, if they continue to play um, and, and, and play how they are, it's looking pretty good. Um, you know, the Bucks don't have as much money to play with this offseason. They, they'll still have some money. They'll, they'll sign some free agents. Every team does every year. Um, you, I, you very rarely, the Packers maybe for a few years there, um, from like 2010 to like 2015 or so, they like weren't signing like any free agents. But, I mean, every team signs free agents, you, you know. So they're going to sign some guys. Um, Jordan Whitehead, maybe you have a keeper there. So you, you, if you believe Jordan Whitehead could be a starter next to Justin, hey, okay, maybe you don't go after a Landon Collins and spend twelve million dollars a year on him. Okay, that's more that's more money that you can spend elsewhere. Um, you need to re-sign Humphreys. 
need to re-sign Quan Alexander. I think both will get done. Um, Donovan Smith. This is the interesting part, and a lot of fans might not like this, but you know, hear me out. It's not really what I want them to do, but this might be the best thing that they could do. Franchise tag him. Franchise tag him and give him one more year. The franchise tag for tackles is not as high as it would be for quarterbacks. It's not like Kirk Cousins and you're you're paying this guy twenty million dollars. No, you're gonna end up paying him like ten, which is what you'd give him in a long term deal anyway. I'd rather give him ten for one year than and have him suck for that one year rather than give him ten for five years. Um, franchise tag him because this free agent class of tackle not good, right? Like if Donovan Smith. Like Pewter Report guys had even said, and that had brought that to my attention actually, and I looked at it. Like if Donovan's if the Bucks let Donovan Smith walk, Donovan Smith is getting paid because he is by far the best free agent tackle available. By far. Um, and in the draft you have Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama, who the Bucks will be looking at. Other than that, there's nothing. Um I mean, after after that it's a significant drop off. And there's no, I mean, Jonah Williams, he may not come out. I think he will. But even if he does, there's no guarantee he's at the, at the Bucks pick. So I think it would be smart, possibly, of the Bucks to, to franchise tag. I mean, it's not Donovan's decision. It's not like you could say, oh, he won't agree to that. He, he has no choice on a franchise tag. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think it, it might be something that, that they could do, and that might work out. You know, maybe maybe that opened Donovan Smith's eyes, and um, it won't cost him a whole lot of money. Because, like I said, if they wanted to re-sign him, they were going to offer him ten plus anyway. So I'd much rather give it to him for one year. Um, you know, so this team has a lot of options. I think that's the best one to tackle. Um, but a fan had asked me. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Uh, um, a, a fan had asked me. Um, about the running back position. And I've been getting a lot of questions about Kareem Hunt. And listen, he's a great football player. Jason Light really likes him, right? Um, Jason Light is a big fan of Kareem Hunt. And they were really, really close to drafting Kareem Hunt in 2017 in the third round, but instead they took Chris Godwin. Um, so they, the Buccaneers organization does like him, but I don't know how much they like, if they like him that much to sign him now. And a lot of fans are saying, well, oh, you, you need a running back. Go out and sign Kareem Hunt. Listen, he's already suspended for the next six, for the first six games of next year. Okay. You want to talk about a PR disaster? The, what the Redskins just faced with Reuben Foster? There's no even, there's no video evidence of the Reuben Foster thing. There's video evidence of Kareem Hunt. All right, that that yeah, that would be a nightmare for the PR guy. Um, yeah, it's no, there's you would lose fans. Yeah, you definitely would because you he's a good football player, but at some point, morals take the moral ha- high ground. Exactly, you're using the same word. Morals have to come into play. This is a yes. This is a business. You're trying to win as many football games as possible, but. At some point, you have to, as a human being, you have to look back and say, yeah, this guy, you know, can't yeah. do it. You know, the 
some you know it it, it may pay off. Somebody will get a great football player, but I can't do it. it, as, it as a human being, as a man, can't do it. Um, it sometimes works out. You know the Joe Mixon thing. Bengals took a chance. It's working out right now. You know, um, there's a lot of scenarios where it, it works, but right now Kareem Hunt and the Bucks, it's not not going to work. So Dead. stop. It's not. If you want a running back, look for other guys. Look for the draft. Look for other free agents. I put out the name earlier today, Jay Ajayi from Philly. I don't think Philly's going to bring him back. Um, he I has think some Jay injury. Ajayi is a very, very talented running back, and he, yeah, he, you know, I think if you bring anyone into that backfield, he'd be exactly what you would need. Now, the only thing with that is I don't totally disagree with the move. But I think between Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, who is, you know, this second half of the season, he has shown us his best football. I think if that translates well into next year, you almost don't even need to look for that high profile of a running back. It'd be nice to have. Yeah, but I well, feel like there's I mean, bigger problems on our plate right now. What I'm thinking about, I if Jay Ajayi comes into the fold, I would guess that Peyton Barber's not here. And because Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber and Jay Ajayi are almost like the same player. Yeah. Um except I think J.J. is a little bit better. Um, so, basically, J.J., my, my thought on him, and we'll talk more about free agents as the time comes. Right now is not the time to be profiling, you know, 10 different guys or whatever. <laughs> but J.J. would be a good fit here. Like I said, he's like Peyton Barber, a little bit bigger, a little bit of a better athlete. Um but he has some injury issues, and that, I think, could come in to help the Bucks. Since he has some injury issues, he might be cheaper, which could make it a really, I used the term earlier, a low-risk, high-reward signing. Sign him to a three-year deal worth, I don't know, you know, $6 million a year, maybe like $5 million, $5 million a year, all right. Uh, you know, take a chance. He's talented when he's on the field. We see I, him I, would, I would take the chance. I would take the chance. Okay. Um, but like I said, it, it's way too early. I'm not. That's just me. That's not what I know. The Bucks are going to do. I don't. I have no idea what the Bucks' plans are. Right. right. Um, I have. You know, because you don't even know. You don't know who's going to be the coach. You don't know who's going to be the GM. So. I mean, I don't even know what their thoughts are on Ajayi right now, but that's one name to look at. Kareem Hunt, no. Jay Ajayi is more like it. The guys, you know, guys like Jay Ajayi. Le'Veon Bell is more realistic than Kareem Hunt right now. And Le'Veon Bell is very unrealistic. So j- just put it that way. I got you. Well, uh, again, that's definitely a discussion for another time once the time comes. But just to give you guys a taste, that free agency discussion is, is definitely going to be interesting this year. It's yeah, be... well, I mean, because it's a big year. It's it's something that you know if if they have to they have to get it right. And I mean, Jason Light, if he stays, he has to have the perfect offseason. He just does. And and not only does he have to have a perfect offseason in adding players, he has to hope the players that he has kept produce. You know, James Winston, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard. Uh, you know, Vernon Hargers. Hopefully, he bounces back. Carlton Davis continues to develop. JPP continues at his rate. Vita Vea continues to develop. I've got a feeling Cam Brady doesn't stick around. I yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, he's a light guy. If light's gone, I would say Brady's definitely gone. Um, all depends. I think he could be a candidate to get traded. Um, it all depends on what they're offered. Yeah, 
without a doubt. But to wrap up the show here, we got something special we want to announce. Yes, sir. Been in the works for two weeks or so now. And this is probably going to be the most half-assed launch announcement that you've ever heard because we don't have any particular details we can give you. We can just tell you that it's happening. Yeah, it's it's going to happen, Bucks fans. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to announce the Cannon to Fire Podcast Holiday Spectacular. And, yep, that's the name we're rolling with here. So, the CFP Holiday Spectacular. What is it going to be? Well, it's going to be holiday-themed, and it's going to be spectacular. That's what I can tell you. There you um, go. Here's what we were thinking. We'll kind of do a quick rundown. We'll figure it all out right now. Thinking more of a live stream, holiday-themed Q&A. And it's going to be holiday-themed, so we're definitely going to be doing things a little bit cheerier. I mean, don't Maybe worry. We're, we are that... going to be going over to the Bucks game. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll be talking some Bucks in the first half, and then, like, it'll be a pretty long live stream, guys. So, like, it'll be longer. It won't be, like, your normal 40-minute one. We're not going to try to cram everything in there. Maybe <laughs> it might be, like, an hour and a half or something. So yeah. we'll spend we'll spend a half hour talking about the Bucks, and then we'll get into, you know, we, we're thinking about doing top five favorite Christmas movies, uh, favorite Christmas memories, Christmas foods, you, you name it, right? We might have some special guests on here, which I can't really say right now. Um, it's not confirmed, but... Um, might have some guests on, um, and you know, and then at the end, uh, we could probably have like twenty minutes where we could just take questions from you guys about anything, bucks, holiday, um, life, and <laughs> anything. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely got to figure it out. It's just a rough draft of what we've got going, but what we're shooting for is something fun, something where everybody can come together and hang out. We can talk Buccaneers football. We can talk the holidays. We can talk the fruitcake that your grandmother made and nobody ate. I mean, we can just get on here and talk unfiltered about whatever you guys want to, and it's going to be a great time. But the CFP mm-hmm. holiday spectacular, something and, that's and be you in the will works. see it. You will see it advertised a whole lot on both pages, um, starting now, probably starting tomorrow. Yeah. You'll, you'll you'll see it advertised. We'll figure out a date. We're gonna figure out, you know. What we need, we're, we maybe if you guys have any suggestions on stuff we can do, certain rankings, you know, certain you know Christmas, certain Christmas style rankings, um, or you know certain segments that we can do, feel free. Top five um, NFL cheerleader uniforms of all time. So uh, okay. it'll be okay. <laughs> it'll be a good time. Is is basically what we're getting at. But that's going to be something in the works, and uh, that's something we're hoping can translate and be fun for everybody, including you guys. Just to thank you for the success of the show mm-hmm. and celebrate the holidays at the great or at the same time. But, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, or now iHeartRadio. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks.Way, formerly Bucks Football, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Also, make sure you check out my new page, the Bias Buck Fan at Bias Buck Fan on Instagram. Haven't been doing so much lately, but normally I'll go on there during the games and yell unfiltered, uncensored, and just get it all out of my system. So make sure you're there and a part of that as well. Check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game, and check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll see you next time. Go Bucks!
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.